Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. This is Ashley Lauren Rogers, producer and editor of the Is It Transphobic podcast. Uh, First and foremost, I want to apologize for the fact that this episode is late. Um, I'm going to try not to make this a habit. I'm going to try and make sure that this doesn't happen again. uh, And that we are releasing our episodes on the first and third Thursday of every month. But seeing as the month of March 2017 has five Thursdays, I figure, uh, yeah, maybe I can throw something special to you folks. Maybe I can do something a little different. And so on Thursday, March 30th, you will get a special episode, an episode that digs deep into my heart. We're going to talk about professional wrestling, because for those that don't know, Sunday, April 2nd, WWE's WrestleMania is happening. So we are going to cover the enigmatic, the bizarre one, Gold Dust. And to do so, I brought in my friend Paula, who is both a trans woman and a professional wrestler. Yeah, it's going to be some good stuff. And as a bonus again, as the many apologies that I have, I'm going to release a mini episode that both she uh, and Ian and I conducted uh, all about her journey as a trans woman and a professional wrestler and a lot of questions that people might have. So I'm going to release that as a mini-sode to those on the Patreon. If you're not a part of the Patreon, well, that's fine. You'll You'll still get to listen to it, but you're going to have to wait a month. So if you want to support the Is It Transphobic podcast and also learn a little bit more about pro wrestling so that if there are certain terms that we're unable to define or certain uh, aspects of the the craft that you might want to know a little bit more about, you may want to consider kicking us a buck or two. That's all it takes. If you don't know what her story is, it is a show created by uh, Jen Richards and a number of other trans individuals uh, about essentially about the trans experience. Uh, It is a fictional piece, uh, but it's based in a lot of realism. And it is available completely for free on YouTube. You should go to YouTube and watch it. Whether you watch it before or after the critique is up to you, but you should definitely go to YouTube and look for Her Story Show. Now, just to ensure that we get right into her story, because I know that we're approaching five-minute mark, and I'm sure everyone is really interested in what both Kelsey and I have to say uh, about her story, Uh, I'm going to probably interrupt the episode. We're going to test this out, uh, but I'm going to interrupt the episode with a couple of other things that a lot of the folks uh, here are doing. Yeah. So there's some stuff that we're doing, and I want you to know about it, but I don't want to keep you from her story. So, without further ado, 
here is her story. Welcome to a world of really good conversations about trans issues, as well as intersectionality and trans issues. Today we watched her story from YouTube. Uh, my name is Ashley Lauren Rogers, I use she, her pronouns, and today I'm being joined by... Kelsey Jefferson Barrett, and I use he, him pronouns. Fantastic. So, Kelsey, um, once again, it's just you and I, which is pretty fun. Yeah, I always have a good time. So, had you watched her story before this? No, I hadn't. It was on the list, but I hadn't watched it yet, so... All right. Well, I'm happy that we were able to give you a nice kick in the butt to yeah. get you out there to watch it. Uh, what I feel like were that's your... been true yeah. of a couple of the things you've had me watch. <laughs> Have you seen it? I'm always meant to. It's like, you know, it's been on my list. This is but... my answer for every time. Right. But, yes. <laughs> First time. Cool. So what did you think about it? I really enjoyed it. Um, I think there's something very special about... There's so many themes and ta things that they tackle in this that we're going to talk about, but also it's it's a story about romance and a story about people falling in love. And if you want to just watch it as that, you can. It stands on its own merits in that respect, too, which I think can sometimes get lost when you're trying to tell new stories about people who aren't talked about as often. So it just made it really pleasant and, and exciting to watch for mm. me. Yeah, I I had watched it previously, and I loved it. I watched it with my wife, and it was just immediately, we were like, all right, yeah. Like, you hear so often about um, pieces about trans individuals, and sometimes someone will say, well, yeah, this is about trans people, and yeah, it's pretty good, but it's not for us. It's for a cisgender audience. And this one really feels like it is navigating both in a very good way, but is also for us. Yes, I agree. So, and it does a great job of sort of striking that balance between what do we need to explain to people without it being just a, I guess for lack of a better term, a trans-utopia like, there are definitely a lot of characters that are very harshly aggressive towards trans individuals, uh, and a lot of stories where they don't shy away from the reality that trans folk face. But at the same time, it's, like, often those characters are uh, told, like, no, we're not going to put up with this. No, that is not how you address people. And it's just very satisfying. Yeah, it is very satisfying to, yeah. to just give the the trans characters the opportunity to just be like, mm -mm, no, let's we're not going to talk about how sad it is to be trans, like you see in like a lot of movies and cinema right now, mm. where it's like, look how much of a struggle it is. They're they're going to stand there and be like, well, yeah, we're not going to hide from the bad things and not tell you the difficulties we face, but we're also going to say, look how amazing we are and look at the great things we're doing and we can stand up for ourselves and we are fantastic mm. that's something that you really get from from her story yeah so how do we describe the show because you know like what is what is synopsis of it do you want to try or you want me to try and tackle this one because it's complicated um, yeah, but it is yeah complicated. uh basically the main ish character if we had to assign a main character would probably be violet 
who is you find out through the piece is in a an abusive relationship we you assume it's for survival um and it's all about her being approached by a cisgender lesbian reporter who is interested in the trans experience uh from an everyday perspective and wants to write a piece about it so she approaches violet and it's a lot of the blowback from the people in Violet's life and the people in, and I can't remember her name, Allie, Allie. was it? Yeah, Allie. Allie. Uh, in Allie's life, where Allie is talking to a lot of cisgender lesbians who many of them have, like, it, it's kind of cool because they have a almost a cornucopia of different opinions about yeah, trans. Yeah, they kind of tickle all the perspectives. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good summation. And then you've also got Violet's friend Paige, who is a lawyer uh, and is specifically working on a case against a women's shelter who were denying a trans woman access because she had male gender markers on her identification. Uh, and you can see that... Paige is just trying to find love as well, uh, but both her being very busy as well as her worry about when to tell people or if she has to tell people that she's trans. Um, yeah, it's it's very... It's not high stakes in that the world is going to end, but at the exact same time, it's very high stakes for these characters. Yeah, for sure. So, the emotional stakes. Yeah. Are something. Yeah. So, man, where do we begin with this? Because, do we, okay, do we want to, because I, I like to, to completely mess with the formula of the show as much as I can, do we want to just state in the beginning, whether we think it's transphobic. Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Sure, let's do it. Okay. So, I Kelsey, say, you go first. I say no, it is not transphobic. Awesome. I agree. So, the rest of this podcast is going to be us basically just fan-personing out to her story, uh, but I think that's necessary, because we have focused on a lot of things and I feel like the answer is never no it's not transphobic so to finally see something that is not transphobic what brought us to this point what makes her story not transphobic do you want to try and tackle the beginning of that or yeah I'll, mm -hmm. I'll start with that I mm. think a lot of times when we when we're uh, dissecting pieces for this show, especially the ones where we're sort of in the middle, where we're talking about it, you know, as a piece of art, we like it a lot, it has some transphobic elements, or maybe we even disagree on which parts or how transphobic it actually is. I think one of the things that we always come back to when we talk about it is who created it, who's telling the story. And um, I was reading a, an interview with Laura Zach after watching the piece, trying to get a little more information, and she was really saying that there were a lot of things they wanted to talk about in this piece, including intersectionality and, and the experiences of trans people and all this stuff, but also they wanted to just have women working on this project, and the most important thing to them was bringing in as many diverse women and diverse female perspectives to create this together as a group. And I think that 
that shows tremendously when you have, you know, um, a uh, queer woman of color director, you have trans women involved, you have, you know, queer women and, and people from different walks of life and different perspectives. You're not telling someone else's story. You can tell someone else's story well, but there's something very poignant about having people telling their own story and building a story together. Mm. And as you were sort of saying, like, you know, all of Ali's friends, you know, sort of this cornucopia of experiences and perspectives. And I think it, it plays really, really well. Mm. Even, even you know, the characters who were meant to sort of, you know, bring up some of the more problematic perspectives and, and the ways in which people aren't quite, you know, agreeing or, or getting along the same way. Mm. Yeah, and we're not, like, obviously, like you were hinting at, we're not saying that cis individuals can't write from trans perspectives or for trans people. Uh, there are a couple of different philosophies on that. There are some folks that believe that you can't if you're not, uh, and very similar for writing outside your race. I don't agree. I feel like you absolutely not only can, but should, but if you're going to write outside your perspective, you need to do the research. Uh, What is good about this is because they've involved so many women, so many different types of women, and so many trans individuals and because the showrunners uh i believe both the showrunners are trans uh it's creating this sense where it's like well yeah like we know this perspective just let us do our thing and it shows i agree i think there's something about the the tone of the show that just kind of feels like this collaborative celebration you know, again, the the show does deal with some really important, you know, difficult moments and and talking about the the struggles of different people. But that throughout, there's there's a celebration, there's a a happiness to it, and to to talking about the lives of these people and their relationships that I really liked, liked yeah. it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the only real. Uh, because I, I do have a couple of issues with the show. And they're not major issues. It's mm-hmm. just sort of like some, some minor things. Uh, but the most major one is it is about trans narratives. Uh, but we don't see any trans men. Mm-hmm. And maybe, especially with a title like Her Story, we don't necessarily need it right now, but at the same time, we're constantly seeing trans women in uh, and represented in things when we're talking about the trans narrative. Uh, And so that is important, and maybe if and when there is a second season, we might see more trans men, especially... It's a trans male character. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. That would be... And I think I could imagine that they would you know i mean you only have so much time and the time constraints of, of what they're doing i already felt like they didn't have enough time for the characters they already had so i can definitely see that but yeah and also for me all these ladies and there's no bi women or hmm. you know something like that like that for me i was like okay so you sort of ticked all the different sort of different perspectives from the lesbian women and then you know you have some some straight men and you have the the trans women who have their you know their different sexualities but there's no bi people and Mm. that i don't know that for me that stuck out Mm. as like in a circle of queer women there there 
you know, all, all of Allie's friends are lesbians. There's, and I thought that was, yeah, I was kind of like, oh, hey, where are they? They <laughs> hang out in the in the queer circles, so. And yeah. that brings a different perspective, too, when you have people saying, oh, well, you know, your sexuality is defined by, you know, the bits of the person you're with and, you know, by people, the first, you know, uh, pansexual people to be say, well, why does that matter? Mm. You know, they're all, <laughs> in that particular perspective, they have a, a really valuable perspective to, to bring to the table, I think, so. Mm. And again, there's, like, if, uh, assuming that this is going to continue, uh, there's no saying that these folks might not come in in another season. Sure. Uh, but at the same time right now, we're not seeing them. And even there was an extra, because I watched through all the extras, uh, there was a joke by, what was his name? The guy that was dating Paige. Uh, James? James. Yeah, the James. one that we like. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, the 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 good happen. dude. Um, yeah, he came to see her at work and was like, "Hey, can I take you out?" And he even brought some hot sauce, so there was a nice <laughs> callback. And so he's like, "Hey, can I take you out?" And she's like, "I don't know." And so th- I think there was a comment like, "Oh, do you have to be gay to work here?" And her Paige's assistant is like, "Oh no, I think Paige and I are the only ones that aren't GLBT in any way." <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, I forget the exact quote, but it was something along those yeah. lines. And it was just like at that point we knew that Paige was trans, but stealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, stealth, by the way, for listeners who are still learning, is uh, a term that some use to say that they are not open about their trans status, uh, and they just kind of quote unquote blend in. But um, yeah, so so since Paige's stealth, it was like, but we knew because of something that Vi told Allie, uh, and as they were leaving, he made some comment to her like, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't complain if you were telling me you were bi though, and huh. yeah, it wasn't. I it felt much like watching Lisa consistently be the transphobe right it was okay yeah like i i definitely see why it got dropped yeah but at the same time it was like eh, okay it feels realistic because you know maybe that is a thing that a straight cis dude would say to uh someone that he assumed was a straight cis woman right but it's just like eh, no yeah <laughs> like i say that ended up getting cut so yeah yeah. So they probably agreed with you. Yeah. They were like, not quite. They were like, hey, this is a joke. This is realistic. But I don't think we need this. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So speaking of Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> I, I think the actress did a great job, but I want Lisa to be lit on fire. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's not because she's definitely got life. Like, she is a mostly rounded character, but not, yeah. I don't know, am I off base by saying that I she's... I really felt, and, and again, I think, you know, <laughs> with the time constraints they had, put in thing in, you know, you can't get into too many complexities of getting into everybody's backstory and that sort of thing. But one thing I sort of felt were there were moments when they kind of had to have things happen in order to advance the plot. Mm. Um and I think I felt like 
Allie's three friends were there to present three specific perspectives, with Allie's being the fourth perspective. So you have Allie, who is, you know, the most open-minded, who is, you know, actively trying to learn. That doesn't mean she doesn't make any mistakes, but she's, you know, she's kind of, you know, progressive and, and wants to learn about, you know, trans people and do it correctly. And then you have, I forget their names, but you basically have the one sort of person who's like, well, I don't know if it would be really for me, but I think that, like, you should stop judging people. And, like, if you say you're a lesbian and you love a trans woman, then why are people, like, calling that something that's not? And then you have yeah. the one who's, like, more skeptical, but doesn't want to get, a, like, she kind of doesn't like it, but she's also not going to get in a fight. And then you right. have Lisa, who just wants to fight about all of it the whole time. So you've got, like, the four different perspectives in order to engender the conversations that they needed for the for the show. And so I think there were moments where it was very organic and moments where it felt a little bit you know, forced to me mm-hmm. and that makes Lisa even more kind of awkward to engage with when you when you talk about her yeah I think it was smart even with that time constraint I think that it was smart giving her the background of hey I work in a women's shelter I've seen these things because that is an argument that gets had. Like, and I, I work with a lot of social workers, uh-huh. so I, I get that mentality. It's just because of the constraints of time, we really weren't able to see her fleshed out yeah. enough. Which I think is mostly important. I mean, we spend so much of the show looking at things from Allie's perspective, and she's sort of there to in, to engage with, you know, have her friends telling her some things, and then she gets, you know, sort of talking to and advice from Paige, and she, you know, interacts with, with everybody. And there's a reason she's friends with these women, you know, and that's what we don't see. We And so we get all these bits of Lisa just being horrible. And... I'm kind of like, Allie, why, why, why are you friends with her? And, mm. like, obviously there's a real friendship there that we don't have time to explore mm. that I think also sort of makes it harder to... If it was just Paige and Vi, I'd be like, screw Lisa. No one needs to know why she you know, thinks that what she w- was because we're talking about the experience of trans women. And I think that the way that Paige tells her off is perfect and wonderful and one of the best parts of the thing. But mm. for Allie, who has to engage with her friends, who, you know, needs to sort of be the the voice against her friend's prejudice i kind of wanted to know like what is what is your relationship your, you know what is your friendship and the good parts of this yeah and again like next season or if they get a full show like i think that would be really important to to seeing lisa as more than just a you know hmm. sort of Transphobic trans, jerk. Trans exclusionary yeah. radical feminist. Right. Because <laughs> we assume she's a feminist, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, like even the way she talks to, you know, the people she considers to be women, you know, right. she's kind of iffy towards ladies too sometimes. Or, I mean, like, you know, cis ladies, you know. She's, mm. There's a little bit of that sort of hard edge sort of thing that you you encounter sometimes in in the communities that perform the gender binary Mm. so you know within the you have more femme lesbians and you have you know butch lesbians or more masculine lesbians and you can kind of get that same attitude that you get from men Mm. in the patriarchy to that sort of like i can speak to you a certain way and sort of you know 
trashy kind of thing. I'm, I'm not describing it well, but yeah, like there's there's like this yeah. edge to her that I'm like, why are you, why? Mm. But yeah, I mean, like the actress is so good. <laughs> yeah, just, like, like the acting in I, this is um, it like yeah. really well done. Like ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and that makes me mm. want to see more of Lisa because I just feel all the steps from mm. from the actress and from you know the relationships that you don't have time to see. Like, and that's the thing, she misgenders constantly. It's interesting to listen when she does and when she doesn't misgender, mm. because there is absolutely, like, it, it It does feel like a very specific choice, and, like, I, I'm thinking during that fight in the last episode when uh, uh, Paige completely just, like, comes down on her, yeah. and... She like in her article she's like Mr. Jones needs to etc cetera, etc cetera. and then she says something like look I like I like, she said something that hints like it's not about you getting right, turned she away she says to Paige she's like well I I believe that you're a real woman even right. though I just called you Mr. in this article right. I believe you're a real woman but I'm saying that other people are going to be you know yeah. sneaking in here disguised if we let you the real woman like I'm sure you're fine Mr. Jones Mr. Yeah. Jones yeah <laughs> I mean yeah. it's such a perfect encapsulation of and I, I, I know I'm sure you've encountered this a million times and I've mm. encountered this in my own life. Whenever someone tells me something like, oh, it's just too hard to remember your pronouns or, or it's, uh, you know, like I'm, ha- you know, like something to the effect of that. I'm like, it's never really true. The people who just forget just say, oh, geez, I'm sorry. I used the wrong word. Mm. And the people who actually complain about it, you can see they're actually making deliberate choices about the pronouns even though they say they aren't and that's exactly what lisa does mm-hmm. so, oh well i have to talk to Paige to her face so i guess i should be a little more polite but i said mister because that delegitimizes everything about her mm. in my language yeah and when she wasn't around like when her and vi weren't around and they were just having that conversation Lisa, like, as I remember it, Lisa was using the correct pronouns. She definitely said he sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah. She kind of jumped back and forth, yeah. Like, it was it was weird. I don't know. Like, it was something that I'd have to do a couple more rewatches to kind of see what the logic was, or if it was literally just Lisa... Like, if the logic was just Lisa sometimes gets it and Lisa sometimes doesn't. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of that... F- first big conversation they have when they're sorting the clothes all four of them mm. and they're they're discussing it and it's right after Allie's first interview and she's kind of like oh I don't know and they're like you kind of like her like and she's like, no no it's totally professional and Lisa starts leaning on the on the male pronouns very heavily mm. until Allie basically breaks and goes she really like puts the emphasis on it and it's right before she just gets frustrated and leaves mm. so I definitely think that a lot of what Lisa does is is political mm. when she's just joking around and doesn't really care she'll just use she and whatever but whenever she's trying to make a point she adopts mm. the male pronouns mm. so speaking of that encounter right after the the big blow up at the end um 
uh, Allie tries to stop Paige and just say, oh, no, I'm so sorry. It was my fault. I, I shouldn't have said something, etc., etc. Just, like, the entire time, all I'm thinking is, like, <laughs> you know those people that just keep apologizing? And it's, yeah. like, I loved yeah. it because... Uh, Paige literally just goes, this is not about you, but you, like, like basically the, the I, there were so many lines in this about, like, this isn't about other people, this is about me, and particularly the idea of, like, you need to go, like, yeah. yeah. You need yeah. to go talk to your friend. You need to get your house in order. Yeah. It's just such a perfect thing, and it's such a perfect example of get well-meaning privilege. They show it so well with Allie, where her, Allie's heart is in the right place. Mm. But when she makes her mistakes, she kind of wants to do that thing where she's like, oh, like, if I just apologize and, like, I didn't mean it. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, this is kind of my fault. Mm. And, you know, they don't demonize her for it, but they also hold her accountable. They're like, yeah. you can't just say that. Like, fix, fix the problems. Like, mm. you're letting your friend do this. Mm. Don't apologize. Stop her from doing this. And I think it's it's, you know as a white person with a certain level of privilege, that is a lesson that I always have to remember. And it's great to see a good character who is a, a really great person and she's a really great, you know, um, character within the show and she has these great relationships and I like her, also be reminded of that lesson. It's a great thing for me personally to carry with me as I go around the world too, which I think is, is nice to see. Yeah. It made me happy. I was like, that's right. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> Listen to Paige. Paige is always right. <laughs> WWPD. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. What would She's Paige so do? I love yeah. Her. Uh, quick note Puya Moseni, the uh, person who unfortunately came in late for Tu Wong Fu, but still provided some great. Uh, perspective to Tu Wang Fu is going to be moderating a conversation with and for transgender actors on April 3rd at the Actors' Equity Building, uh, and the event is part of CSA's Commitment to Diversity and Inclusion in Casting Initiative, uh, which is a series of discussions and workshops designed to bring about change in how actors and in underrepresented communities access job opportunities. Uh, it's going to be open to union and non-union artists who are professional actors and those actively pursuing professional careers as performers. Uh, CSA will also live stream the event through Facebook Live and will take questions and comments via Twitter for those who cannot attend in person. So that's going to be on April 3rd, uh, and it will be held in the Equity Council Room at 6.30 p.m. Uh, so capacity is limited to RSVP. Uh, CSA members and actors should email noting their affiliation, name, phone number, and disability requests to csadiversityny at gmail.com. But if you don't live in New York City or uh, if you aren't sure if that applies to you or not, you can always check out the Facebook Live. And the address is facebook.com slash csanydiversity. Phoenix Sweeney is working on a project at the WOW Cafe Theater on May 19th and 20th. It's a queer and POC emerging media art show. The gallery is part of a creative tech week and will feature work in the fields of AR, VR, motion capture, and physical computing, all made by people who identify as queer, trans, GNC folk, uh, POC, or both. There will probably be a bar with drinks for sale as well as work for sale from the artists, so check out at 
Tiny Lion Roars on social media or tinylionroars.github.io for more info. And Vivian Aladrin, who you probably know from the intro and outro music uh, that we play every week, has put out a new album. Uh, it's an album on depression and abuse called Play Happy. Uh, and yeah, we're looking forward to hearing more about that. Uh, and finally, Joe, another contributor here, uh, is working on the show Puffs. Yes, it's all about Hufflepuffs. Uh, it's a you can find that at puffstheplay.com. Uh, it is Puffs, or seven increasingly eventful years at a certain school of magic, and magic gives you a front row seat to the sidelines of the world's most famous magical journey. Follow the story of a young wizard named Wayne and the Puffs, a group of well-meaning loyal rejects with a thing for badgers in this laugh-out-loud comedy that's the Potter play you've been waiting for, according to MTV.com. And if you're in the Baltimore area, check out Puya in The White Snake. Uh, and tickets are only available until March 26th after that. Uh, we assume she's coming back home to New York, and so hopefully I can get her back on the podcast. Uh, that said, go to centerstage.org. That said, go to centerstage.org and click on White Snake. So the the other thing that I really loved about this show was the organic chemistry that Allie and Vi had. Mm -hmm. I really love their chemistry. They they did a thing that would normally drive me up a wall when it comes to a script, which is lots of questions, but the questions made sense. The questions were active. Like for me, when a script uses a lot of questions, it just gets boring. Right. Because it's like, okay, this is the writer trying to figure out what they're trying to say. And I don't get that sense from here. You you get the sense that every question is targeted from the writer's perspective, but it doesn't feel like we're being talked at either. Yeah. I think possibly my favorite moment in the entire show is the conversation between James and Paige after pages outed mm. and he tells her you know i have a gambling problem and i wasn't sure when to mention it and i think it's it's just the perfect encapsulation of what this show is because it's about all these things it's about lgbt things and it's about trans issues in particular but it's also about relationships and everybody has these problems in their relationships and it's you can identify it with so well, even the characters who are the least like you, and I I think Ali and Vi have this just sort of beautiful sort of I'm sort of attracted to you initially, but also I'm very hesitant. But also we make great friends, and we sort of come to it organically. And like the moments where they're just doing friend stuff, and you know whatever they're feeling, they're clearly not ready to you know even consider it to be real within themselves but they're still cuddling on the couch because they're two girlfriends and that's what girlfriends do mm. and and just the beautiful truth of a relationship and if you have a wonderful relationship you probably see a lot of yourself whatever your gender and orientation is in that in that and i think that's really an amazing strength of the show as well it manages to be both. It's a romance. It's also about trans issues. It's also about 
you know, queer women and their issues and all this stuff, but it's so romantic. <laughs> I'm also curious, speaking of the idea of seeing yourself in someone, there was this moment where Vi is trying to explain to Allie why she is uh, currently with men. And part of it was the idea of like, oh, you know, we're together and all I'm thinking is, oh, how big my hands are. Whereas when I'm with a man, I feel more, I'm thinking about other things and I'm feeling more feminine or I forget the exactly how she ended it, but yeah. Her body in comparison is more feminine. And I'm curious, like what your thoughts on the concept of, uh, I guess, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to put it like this my sexuality is defined by my needs. Mm. Like, because that's very much where Vi's character is. She mentions that before she used to date, she only dated women. Then when she started transitioning, she started becoming an escort and it just made more sense to be with men. Like, and there's definitely that, like, survival, like, the, for, for other, like, uh, to put it another way, the survival sex culture that uh, sometimes a lot of trans, particularly trans women, have to go through in order to survive. They, they do some form of sex work. So it, it, I don't know, it's, it's fascinating to me because I don't want to damn it as like, oh no, how dare they because it's it's a real thing, but that idea of like my sexuality is actually being defined by, as Paige puts it, who like, you fuck men, you I don't think right, you love them. Yeah, I don't think you like them. Yeah, I don't think you like them. Yeah, that's very true. And you have on the other side, you have mm. you know Allie and her friends debating what makes up your sexuality. You mm. know, is it the parts? You know, can you still say you're a lesbian if you're giving blowjobs and mm. and all that sort of discussion they're having? And I think the more that the queer community sort of becomes aware and and opens their arms to intersectionality, I think that's one of the big questions that everybody's asking themselves because you're no longer defining yourself just in opposition. Mm. You're also defining yourself within a multitude of, um, you know, genders and sexualities, like... You know, now we have people who identify as non-binary, and so if you say, okay, well, my partner is non-binary, does that not affect my sexuality in the same way as if they were binary, and and all Mm. those sorts of questions. So I think it's, it gives a lot of respect to the idea that these things aren't as obvious as we like to pretend that they are. Mm. Um, You know, it's, we spent so long in our lives bucking heteronormativity and cisnormativity and be like no that's not me you can't put me in these boxes but actually there's a lot more to it than just saying you know I'm not this label that was put on me by society and I think also like it's nice to recognize that there's a vulnerability in how you feel about yourself you can be proud of yourself and also have moments where you think oh god like I'm really I mean, you do that to, to anyone. You can compare yourselves to your friends and your partners. Oh, they're smarter than me, or they're better at this thing that we both love, or, mm. you know, anything. And so, like, I can see how that would be really confusing to sort of compare yourself in that in that manner. And 
then when you lump in outside perspectives as well, people judging you outside and putting labels on you based on whose hand you're holding, as they say. Mm. You know, and I re- I really felt that for that moment. You know, it's different than my experience, but I was like, yes, like that's that's so much of a thing. Mm. Your your sexuality isn't just this mystical crystal sometime somewhere inside of you, of, unaffected by the world around you. It is shaped by, you know, who you meet and what the world requires of you and what makes you comfortable. And I think, you know, it's that sort of, we're so proud of our born this way narrative Mm. and it's still viable, but it's, there's gotta be more flexibility to it than that. Mm. And so it's nice to sort of talk Mm. about that, I think a little bit. Well, exactly. Like it, it does, there's an extent that, I I don't like the born this way narrative. I think it's good for some people and I think that yeah. the good that it does is that it instills in folks that don't get it that there's a like all right, they know like and when in reality nobody knows anything about themselves until they know. And then they know and then maybe they question that again and then that changes and so the born this way narrative very much gives this like all right so once you figure out x you're x and then if all of a sudden you realize that like you you don't know you're born this way until you're dead right <laughs> it's like well, because people yeah. evolve and change we're mm-hmm. not static beings i mean mm-hmm. where is there's there's one line Allie's telling her friends or one friend about mm. her interview um, with Vivian and she says something to the effect of she's like oh well when she was identifying as a man she dated men and women and she was bisexual and then she was you know gay for a while and she was straight like and something to the effect of at some point in her life she's been every letter on the LGBTQ acronym yeah and I was like <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. we don't just one day finally figure it out and go, poof, this is what I am, and I'm going to be... I mean, you guys, if you've been following the podcast, you know I switched my pronouns halfway through. I was starting with they, them, and I've changed to he, him, and maybe that'll change. Like, mm-hmm. And if it goes back to they, them, that's fine, too. But yeah. <laughs> and you, you change. You learn new things mm-hmm. about yourself that maybe were there all the time, but you also grow. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, oh, I had a transition. Um, ha ha. Um, that's never not going to be funny on this podcast. No, it really is. <laughs> it's it's like, it. no, Ashley, it's been not funny the first time you made that joke. I think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I had some transition that I was working out there because there was, there was something that we touched on that I, I really wanted to, to, to attack. Oh, actually, just just going back a little bit to James's comment, I have a gambling problem. Uh, I like that paired with Paige's very nuanced, clear, she has a substance abuse problem uh, that's, like, really only hinted at. Mm-hmm. But she, she mentions something to Vi uh, being, like, whether it's us being trans people or people who have substance abuse problems... Right. And it's just With, really like skirted under the rug. Right. But well, yeah. Well, she was talking about Vi's history. Mm. Um, 
Which she then, mm. Vi goes on to tell Allie about in the last episode. Mm. Yeah. But it's, it's because especially when she's out on the first date with James, and it could be read as... Uh, just a, like, she doesn't know if she wants to trust herself with booze, but, like, she right. says, just a Pellegrino. No, no wine. Uh, yep. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. So, I, I wonder if she does have a substance abuse problem, and so that makes their relationship even more interesting. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's, there's something about that logic of, like, I have an addictive personality, or I have an addiction to something... That as much as it is a cisgender way of trying to figure out a way to connect to this and very much works to bring him to a point of like, okay, I have this experience and I didn't know when to bring that up, there is a certain stigma uh, associated with I have a uh, problem with addiction so I guess that's kind of like why you didn't tell me that you're trans. Yeah. And it's... I I don't think it's a huge criticism, because there is so much good in this series, but at the same time, that point is sort of like, meh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I noticed that as well. I think... I felt like it could have been read that way, but mm. I didn't read it that way until I was sort of looking at it analytically, and I think it's because of the specific way that Paige explains why she hasn't told him yet Mm. and the way the actors play it. I do think it comes off as, because you sort of have two problems, right? You have the Mm. problem of, you know, is James actually going to be uncomfortable with the fact that she is trans? And also is James uncomfortable with the fact that she didn't tell him, Mm. which are really related problems, but there's also, you know, there's some aspect of, you know, he's kind of like, why didn't you tell me? And you're like, well, why didn't you tell me so I could run away? But he's not running away. So maybe like, you know, that's a terrible way to find out about, you know, something personal about someone you care about, even if you don't have a problem with it. Hmm. And so like the way that it was played, it definitely felt like what he was mostly talking about was this issue of why is this a secret? And I think Hmm. she explains it, you know, I just... I wanted to be that girl that you were seeing without any complications. And he's like, I have a complication and I didn't know how to tell you about it. And I think so. I think it played really well for me, although I did sort of go like, those things aren't really the same because one is, yeah. Yeah. No, and I I think (laughs) the, the other reason that I don't like harp on it and I immediately didn't throw my hands up in the air and say, nope, dead to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A, because everything else was great, but I think... It does add that level of complexity that a lot of the other, like, listening to people constantly say the uh, the, the T-slur and listening to other people constantly misgender these folks. And it's it's a similar reason, if that makes any sense. Like, the, the idea that, like, this gives a little bit more flavor to the we are going to create a narrative that is not 100% perfect, but is realistic and very real to the trans experience, which is very different than anything we've been able to see. So, uh, you know, like I say, it's just sort of like, yeah, no, I think they're handling it all right. Yeah, you're mostly like, okay, James, eventually you're going to realize that maybe that wasn't the best comparison you could have made. But also, you know, 
there aren't just two kinds of people in the world, people who are completely transphobic and people who are perfect about it all the time. Right. So, like... Like, if anything, um, because Allie dead names, well, it doesn't dead name, but reveals the status, the trans status of Paige to uh, her friend and a lot of other, like, there are a lot of other things that Allie does, and we love Allie, but there are a lot of things that Allie does that are just very, that could be read as, yep, that's transphobic, but part of it is about her learning that, like, part of it is about all of us learning that just because something is X, Y, or Z doesn't mean that it's always that. Right. And that it has the capacity for change. And that the things that you do that are kind of mistakes or kind of not cool can sometimes, like, be brought around to being great things. Mm. Like the fact that you shouldn't just see a random stranger and go, hey, you're representative of your people. I'm going to walk up to you and start asking you questions Mm. about, like, that, that, I was cringing so much. Yes! So I was like, oh no, no, don't do it, don't mm. do it. But of course, yeah, like, mm. you shouldn't do that, but also, mm. it worked out, and they fixed it, and mm. they ended up with this wonderful relationship, so... Here I am interrupting her story again, sorry folks, but I just wanted to tell you that Bear... Uh, one of our contributors, Bear Spiegel, is going to be in Salt Kid Watches Brooklyn Burn, which is about a genderqueer college student in New York City who wakes up with bumps all over their face and not a single memory of last night's trauma. They grapple to stay living in reality as they slowly turn to salt and must tell their loved ones what exactly happened to them. It's based on true events and infused with indie rock. Salt Kid Watches Brooklyn Burn fights the social snares of dominator culture within a radical adaptation of the biblical story of Lot's wife. And that is going to be playing at Joe's Pub. Yeah. And it sounds really awesome. Uh, Tickets are $20, doors at 9pm, show at 9.30, and that's on April 27th. So get your tickets at joespub.publictheater.org. Another contributor who's also in a show, we've got Ian Field-Stewart, who is going to be in a chorus line. They're playing Paul. That's right. See if Paul, see if Ian can be one singular sensation. I, I have no idea if it's actually, if that song is actually in a chorus line. I'm not super familiar with the show, but even if it's not, it's a very big, fun show. That much I know. So see Ian in a chorus line uh, and that is going to be through the one production uh, and tickets are going to be $25 and it is going to run from Friday March 31st through Sunday April 2nd at Tada Youth Theater 15 West 28th Street New York New York that is slowly becoming my favorite theater uh, just because it's great to say But seriously, support Ian, support Bear, and now back to her story. Can I also say it was interesting, and I like the fact that this was not the, like, oh, I'm going to do this expose, oh, I'm getting close to this person, should I continue with this expose? Whoa, someone published my expose without my knowledge! Like, because that's, you see that in Hollywood all the time. Yeah. Like, it's that, like, what, you wrote this? Mm -hmm. That was not... 
an imitation of Vi. That was an imitation of just the generic right. like right. uh, person right. that, yeah. But to see the narrative of like, all right, I'm going to do a good thing. And it was just like, it started in a very almost exploitative way, mm-hmm. but then turned into a rom-com. Yeah. And it was just like, whoa, whoa, where did that come from? Like, like yeah. yeah. It, it, it just made me feel good that she wrote a good thing. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And, and the show does manage to touch on both issues. Like, mm. you know, and, and the story of how Allie came to what she does, you know, doing that little expose in high school is again, Allie's story is I realized I can use my privilege to protect other people, which is great. And yet her privilege also leads her to make mistakes. And she's still a good person, but she's a flawed person because all people are flawed and you don't know everything about everything. So we get to see a person who is both of those things, who doesn't have to be either a horrible person or a perfect person. Exactly. There's almost a poetic way... Like, it's not poetic like... like they're walking around reciting fucking poetry but like there is a poetic way that they have these conversations that feels very realistic but at the same time almost very uh like it's it's very flawed but so real like the the specific lines that i was looking at was like oh uh i'm sorry are you are you trans uh, it's like, I'm sorry if that's offensive. No, that's okay. I wish it wasn't so obvious. Yeah. It's just Aww. very like, yeah, that's it's so just cute. like, yeah, like I know that feeling because if you say, yes, that's offensive, then immediately you're saying like, oh, so it's offensive to be trans, but you are trans. Like there's a lot right, of like, yeah. yeah, but just like that little line, it's just very like, I wish that this was not something it's it's so complicated too though because it is that idea of like is the ideal to quote unquote pass mm-hmm. as the binary gender that you're hoping to fit into or is it to just be left alone right and it's just ah like it's <laughs> it's very oh it just brings up so many yes. complicated things but it's just Two sentences, and I love it. Yeah. Um, what was it? Uh, also, I I really liked that there was the like, uh, I'm not gay, because, right? Like it, it followed up afterward because it it does. They immediately in the first episode bring up the idea that just because you're trans doesn't mean that you can understand a person's sexuality and that it is complicated and it becomes more complicated. And then you also put Allie in a position of also sort of, do I come out? Do we talk about it? Do we not talk about it? You know, Mm. that she's, you know, put Ryan a moment Mm. ago where she's like, oh no, well, no, I'm not coming on to you. I mean, but I am gay. Did you need to know that? I don't know what I should do now. (laughs) Like in that same sort of thing with it is, how visible should I be? Do I need to be? Do I want to be? Question of mm. being LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it also brings up the whole thing of like, 
All right. So I obviously you like we're very much in the in favor of keeping the T in the LGBT, <laughs> but it it does bring that whole like, well, what is the difference? Why like they don't necessarily bring this question up specifically, but it is that thing that gets you thinking, why are we all connected? And part of that is the historical uh, uh, oppression of all of us for the same reasons. But at the same time, it does. It's, it's that question of like, well, okay, there's a reason that we're all kind of lumped together, but why, why? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, and also, I loved the in the first episode that law office scene, the one where she's oh, talking to her client. This is literally just going to be Paige is the coolest person ever. Yes, I always win, and I was just like, yes, like screaming in my living room, like you are so great. <laughs> it's like because I always win. It's just like yeah. And then the callback when she uses it on Lisa. Yes, from a from a storytelling, from a like a screenwriting point of view, you were just like. That was perfect. It was a perfect moment. (laughs) If you're going to be in the Cincinnati, Ohio area, April 28th through the 30th, come check me out at the International Steampunk Symposium. That's right. Uh, The International Steampunk Symposium, which you can find at steampunksymposium.com, is a steampunk event. It's been running for a couple of years now. Uh, Other people that will be there will be Sherry Priest, K.W. Jeter, which is kind of huge if you're a steampunk, Joey Marzacci, Leanna Renee Heber, and Aurelio Voltaire. Uh, that said, I will be there performing my one-person show, Pass Fail, which immediately is not super steampunk, but we're going to make it steampunk. We're going to make it work, and we're going to bring uh, trans rights and trans art to the steampunks, and I think they're going to love it. So that's April 28th through the 30th, steampunksymposium.com. So the one thing that makes me very angry, though, about this is that this was, and it's, I'm of course joking, but... (laughs) I know, I'm starting to get worried. (laughs) So yeah, I'm getting really serious now, is that uh, Jen Richards is now going to be on Nashville. And I'm not mad because she's getting successful. I'm very happy about that. It's because now i got to watch Nashville. Oh, God. (laughs) Damn you, Jen Richards. Be successful elsewhere. No, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) But yeah. I didn't know that, though. Good for her. Yeah. Um, And Angelica Ross, I saw her on, I forget if it was Jon Stewart or Colbert, but it was around that time. I think Colbert had gone, so I think she was on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Uh, She is the founding CEO of TransTech Social Enterprises, which is based in Chicago, uh, that is very specifically about helping to train trans individuals. Yeah. That's so awesome. <laughs> there is also another element within this show that they bring up that I want to talk about. The idea that there are men out there that want to be with a trans woman, but they don't ever want them to bring up the fact that they're trans, and they never want to be reminded that they're trans. Yeah. And that absolutely is a thing. That's a thing. It's like this weird... No, I don't want to say weird. It's weird because it's like... it's. I say weird because 
it's so like they're into this but don't ever fucking talk to them about it and it's like whoa that is a part of my identity whether i want to bring it up or not yeah so that's why it it's when i say weird it's yeah. just like look you're it's, into this why aren't yeah. we talking about it well, <laughs> you know a lot of the particular oppression that comes from the you know the side of cis men is all about self shame mm. it's like you know Oh, well, I like this thing. Uh, does that make me gay? Does that compromise my manhood? Well, okay, but I still like it, so just let's not acknowledge it. Mm. Because what they're really worried about is their own identity, not someone else's. Mm. And how, how to define themselves, you know, by that. Which is, again, it's kind of like what the whole thing we were talking about is. Everybody is asking how to define themselves by based on, you know, who they like and, and what they're interested in in that regard. But yeah, that, that mm. particular horrible <laughs> I mean it is, it's so bad. Yeah. It's, it's bad for them too. I mean mm. ultimately like, you know, it's mm. big, the biggest deal is for the victims of that behavior. But if we could just free everybody from these, you know, mm. these rules because that's that's really what people are afraid of. They're like, what does it mean about me if I like whatever I like? Does that compromise my identity? The answer is no, silly people. <laughs> Be who you are and do what you want. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, but that I mean that's such a big thing. And they mm. mentioned I'm like, it hurt <laughs> when they were getting it. I was like, no, oh god. So and I just want to throw out that uh, both Jen Richards and Angelica Ross. You have a standing invite to Is It Transphobic? If you are ever in New York and you want to be on Is It Transphobic, you, ha you are welcome. You can even choose what we watch. Ooh. You've always wanted to see the crying game, Jen Richards? I'm sure you haven't. I'm sure you don't care. But <laughs> <laughs> let's watch it and just analyze it. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> I just I feel the need to say that. Yeah, no. Um, absolutely. Cool. So what are we what are we missing? What are we lacking? Um, we didn't. I mean, as long as we're talking about the, um, mm. you know, the way that Vi's boyfriend, if we're gonna call him that, yeah. treats her, uh, I guess we should probably talk a little bit about the last episode and the the mm. physical and violence, but more importantly, like her decisions around it. I think, because mm. they touch on two, well, more than two, but two things that really stuck with me, which is, first of all, you know, Allie's immediate, well, the police can help us, like, we have to go to the police, we have to report this, mm. and by having to explain to her that she is not safe with the police, that they are going to laugh at her, that she doesn't have the privilege of being protected by the police, which is just so important for people to remember and I mean that's the story that she tells about the other time that you know the cops saw them saw him hitting her and then were like oh well now oh you're a man well you shouldn't dress like that sir and like laughed and walked away and mm. just like oh. but also I was really moved by the handling of how Vi what Vi eventually decides to do Outside of the lack of protection from the authorities, she, the show is very sensitive to the fact that she does have an emotional connection, and she's not demonized for it. 
you know, there's no real judgment passed on like, how could you let someone treat you that way? And the fact that she's sort of given the dignity, like she needs to get away from him and it's good that he, she gets away from him, but she makes her own choices. Mm. And the fact that she leaves that note and she says, thanks for everything. And like you, the viewer are like, no, fuck him. Fuck but also, that guy, but yeah. <laughs> it's about her choice. It's about how she wants to end it mm-hmm. and how she wants to move on and get away from it. And if that's, what makes her journey right for her and makes her feel the best. I think, I don't know. I was really, really moved by that. So what you're saying, Kelsey, (laughs) is that it is in fact her story. (laughs) (laughs) You got me. You got me. That is what I'm saying. Her story and her, (laughs) her decisions. The smartest thing. Her life, her choice. Yeah, her her story. Her story. The uh, she's writing it herself. I think the smartest thing I could have done was wait till you take a a sip of water, <laughs> deliver that punchline while you're sitting in front of all of my computer equipment. So, <laughs> that would have been on me. Yeah, like it's the best joke I'd ever. I didn't apologize yeah. for that. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> like now it's destroyed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> great. So yeah, like and and. It's also, I like that we don't see the violence. Yes. Because oh, I, yeah. Does it have, it's also interesting that they talk about Game of Thrones so much, <gasps> and all of the violence, all of the, like, aggression that is not handled through discussion is done mm. elsewhere. Yeah. And I like that. I, I think agree. it's refreshing. I agree. It it keeps it, and no disrespect to Lifetime, but it keeps <laughs> it from being a Lifetime Channel original movie. Yes. Which I will admit, anytime they're on, I have to sit down and watch. Even halfway through, I will watch that Lifetime <laughs> Channel original movie. But it it's... This is not that. Yeah. Well, there's something, I mean, especially, you know, we all know how our culture is about violence. Mm. It's so hard for it not to be sensational. For it not to be there to be like, look, see how bad it is? Mm. Oh my gosh, can you believe we went there? Even if it's done, you know, as seriously as possible. And I find a lot of times, even when it's respectfully handled, it seems to detract from something. Mm. Like, we all know what that is. We all understand the impact of that. Mm. And again, it's her story. We're not spending time really thinking about him. We're spending time addressing what it means to be her, which is about lot, a lot more than a moment of assault. It's about everything, and it's about, yeah. you know, and I would rather watch two women comfort each other and be together. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to qualify that, but I don't know why I would. <laughs> There's no that, that's need. What I, yeah. That's yeah. what I want. <laughs> So, do you think that they, like, do you think that Vi is going to now be staying with Allie? Or do you think that, like, what what do you think Vi is going to do? Because this, she just met Allie. Mm-hmm. And Allie absolutely would probably want to help her get out of this abusive relationship and probably give her, a, like, a couch for a little while. But, it like, in my shoes, I would probably be like, look, this is really intense let's figure this out, but I don't want to ruin what we've got going on. But I also want to make sure you're out of that place. Yeah. Like what, like it is a complicated thing 
And I think I, Vi yeah. wants the relationship. Yeah. But I absolutely think that she's she's in a big like next stage of her journey. Mm. And I think that not relying on other people and really proving to herself mm. that she can stand on her own two feet and be a strong woman on her own right mm. is going to be very important for her now that she has escaped this relationship that she was just having because she didn't, you know, she was struggling to survive in the world. This was a, a survival choice, and I think she's going to want to not have to just turn to the next person. Mm to hold her up again I think I think she's going to want both but she's probably going to want them more separate mm. another thing that this show did that I really love was that it handled abuse in a way that was not as we see it like yes he does assault her by the end but there's that moment where she's like hey do you think you can leave me the keys and he's like oh, I'm not going to be gone long you don't need a car while yeah. I'm gone don't yeah oh my God. It's just so like ah, right. I mean, like the and, manipulation, yeah, just isolation of her. Mm-hmm. Don't give an interview. Don't have the ability to drive a car. Don't be able to do anything on your own. I mean, that is mm. really what abusive relationships are about. And I think if we saw him physically assault her, those moments in the beginning would have been immediately forgotten for that moment of that moment of physical abuse. Mm-hmm. And because yes, it happens, and yes, it is the uh, final like straw that breaks the camel's back. Because we don't see that, we are remembering all of the actions that we do see him do, yeah, sure. and we do recognize them as. Uh, I mean, she hints that, like, this is the first time he's hit my face. So it does hint that yeah. this has been going on and that, like, yeah, there's there are all these other moments that are just also abusive that we do see. Mm-hmm. So For I think sure. it was really handled well. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And he's plenty scary, like, mm. in the scene, like, that we do see when he's speaking to her. You're just like, oh my god. Like, mm. It's terrifying. Mm. So, I really think that if you want to learn how to write a story from a trans narrative that isn't just sort of like this like happy bubblegum utopia, this is a great example. Yeah. Apple bubby gum bubby. <laughs> apple bubble gum. Apple, good old apple bubby gum. <laughs> no, the sponsor of Visit Transphobic. <laughs> apple bubby gum. Uh, no, but like, I'm not saying that maybe we don't need some more happy bubblegum utopia stories involving trans people too. Yeah. But like this, uh, like yeah. But this is this is the middle ground. Yeah. It's also not. Being trans is really horrible, and you probably won't make it, and or your entire life is just sadness. Yeah. It is happy. There are a lot of good things. We get to see Paige, you know, be the successful, amazing person, and we get to, you know, see people have relationships and care about each other. Like, it's not... It's real, Mm. but it's also not just sad things, Mm. either. So, because we're coming up on time, uh, and since we, like I say, I completely threw structure out the window, we decided that we were going to talk about whether it was enjoyable and whether it was transphobic in the beginning. 
This has been our show. You should absolutely go on YouTube, watch the entirety of her story. Yes, go uh, watch it and then like tweet at, I don't know, Netflix or something that they should pick it up for a full season. Yeah. Tweet at Netflix, tweet at Hulu, tweet at yeah. Amazon. They can have two trans shows. Totally. They can have the good one and the one that's done some good things for bringing trans people into Amazon. Why not? Hey. They, they, yeah. Tweet at everybody. <laughs> tweet at everybody. Network. Tweet your mom. Tell her she needs to watch <laughs> mom, this. Mom, produce her story. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Just make it a whole thing, Mom. You know you can do this. Uh, but yeah, so Kelsey, uh, where can people find you should you want them to find you? Well, you can uh, always find me on Facebook, Kelsey Jefferson Barrett, and uh, I also do a lot of freelance writing for Tor.com. I'm right now in the middle of a reread of Lee Bardugo's Grisha series, and that's pretty fun, so you can find my writing there if you want. Fantastic. Uh, you can find me at AshleyLaurenRogers.com, as well as on Twitter at Lucretia Deerfor, L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R, then the number four. Awesome. Uh, please support us on Patreon, and uh, we are now on Stitcher, as well as on iTunes, and we're hoping to get this wherever you can find podcasts. If we are not on your favorite podcast place, and you're listening to us at a subpar podcast place, tell us where we should be at, at is it transphobic at gmail.com? Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com.